Welcome to Fright Night Minute, a daily podcast where we discuss the original 1985 horror movie, Fright Night, one minute at a time. I'm Robin, and we want to welcome back on his birthday, Niall McGowan from Bat Minute. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> you did say yesterday that tomorrow was your birthday, so I wanted to mention that. Uh, okay. <laughs> and well, It'll be several months ago now. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and uh, welcome back, uh, Rick Ingham from Mad Max Minute. Oh, it's so good to be back here with you very attractive young people. (laughs) (laughs) All right, this is uh, Minute 48 of Fright Night. It begins with Chomp, and it ends with Enchanté. Uh, (laughs) I wish they all could be Iowa. I wish they all could be Iowa. I wish they all could be Iowa. So, I was talking the other day about like oh, going into a musical number, like expecting to be transvestite. That, that is a real Frankenfurter move. He pulls at yeah. the end to the, the old hand kiss thing. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Would this movie be even better with a musical sequence? I I, I think it would. It would be a little weird. <laughs> like, hey, where did this come from? <laughs> hey, Fright Night family. This is Len. I was absent this week, but I wield the power of editing. And uh, Robin, no, fuck no. No musical numbers. Stop it, Bad Robin. Hey, we gotta keep refining this remake we're we're, we're working on here. Yeah, so like, true. hey, Cassandra Peterson, Jerry Seinfeld, Jason Alexander, musical extravagance. Oh my God, people would run for miles. Uh, you know, <laughs> Jason Alexander, uh, noted Broadway performer. I'm sure, right? I think it was that yeah. Bye Bye Birdie uh, remake. But... <laughs> I was trying to think of any song that could come up like Vampire. I'm telling you, my neighbor's a vampire. <laughs> yeah. I like fruits. That's me. <laughs> uh, Jerry. This is, this is a, a thing I did here. I'm, I'm assuming you guys have covered it already. The um, why Jerry eats so much fruit. Oh, like the, yes. The character rationale behind it. And it was one of those things when I heard it, I kind of did groan a little. Like, oh, <laughs> it's a little too cute. So it was like, oh, because it's like a fruit bat. Like we a fruit bat, loads yeah. Of fruit. yeah. <laughs> But it is funny. The vampire bat is not a fruit bat, you know. So it's kind of like he's like a vampire, but yet he's acting like a totally different kind of bat. Yeah. <laughs> Although you he's also the, like a vampire as well. You see in the background, though, actually in the previous minute, there was like bowls full of fruit and stuff as well. It's like really emphasized yes. point that they were there. Oh, Billy likes to make sure the master is well taken care of. So. Uh, you know, the phone's right there, the, the, the fruit. <laughs> I've never been entirely... But the thing is, like, you can never be entirely sure of the vampire, vampiric rules because they just change from yeah. movie to movie and stuff. But, like, um, I don't know if you guys have been watching the uh, What We Do in the Shadows TV show. Loving it. Loving it. And lo- <laughs> it's over now, so... Yeah, um, yeah. But it's, uh, so awesome. There's a terrific uh, joke in that where they, they have a thing like, vampires cannot eat human food. And uh, <laughs> right. 
there's one with like Nadja, like the female vampire of the house. It's just like she's out with the the reincarnated spirit of one of her lovers, and he's desperate to try to get her to try some popcorn. And he literally kind of forces it into her mouth, and she's like, uh huh, and just turns, and this giant like hose spray of vomit just comes out, <laughs> like far more vomit than anyone should ever have in their stomach from one piece of popcorn. But so now it's just like, oh, Jerry Dandridge is chomping down this fruit like there's no tomorrow. If he likes fruit so much, can he eat normal food, or is it just fruit because it's like he's a vampire fruit bat, or what's well, we've what's seen the deal eat, with him? We've That's one of the things I love about genre fiction is that. You can be you can have someone sit you down and ask, hey, how do you kill a vampire? You can start listing off, you know, silver and garlic and crosses and all this other stuff. And it's like, no, the correct answer is however the hell you want to write a vampire can be killed because vampires aren't real. And I like that they simplify it for us here by just saying, okay, crosses, holy water, stake through the heart, all of that other stuff. Yeah, I like how we have we have a lot of real classic stuff, but uh, you know they add stuff in like his the 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 fruit fetish as, and also what the hell is Billy into it as well. <laughs> oh, I mean, it was 1985. I, it wouldn't be a below, it wouldn't be above them for to to make a whole. Oh, he's a fruit bat, and so they give him a male roommate that looks like Billy. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, that was yeah, <laughs> but it's in other vampire fiction because I remember back in the days of Buffy too because he had Spike. He constantly smoked and he got drunk. Mm-hmm. I was like, I thought the un- I thought a vampire was literally like a, a walking corpse that drank blood. I didn't think he was breathing, so I didn't think he would get anything out of smoking, and I didn't think he would have blood circulating. But he still got drunk, and it's like, oh, yeah. I guess that's yeah, that's just whatever, whatever oh, way you yeah. want to work. Yeah, there was a whole plot line where Angel could go into some sort of like smoke-filled building or something because he doesn't actually breathe. They got Spike standing there smoking a cigarette. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> like, well, I mean, there's a difference between needing to breathe and going through the actions of true. breathing. That's true. If you want to blend, <laughs> you go through the actions of breathing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so Jerry Jerry steps out, and uh, I love how he just kind of. Well, I mean, first off, it's it's really odd. It's just the sound of the chomp, and then he starts ambling down. But it's also I felt like it was kind of sinister because he's he's bathed in shadow. Shadow. He 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 pauses to take a bite, and then he just kind of like you, he's like. St- looking down on all these insects below him, you know, mm-hmm. he's regarding them and you can't see the expression on his face. So it is kind of scary too. But yeah, then he walks down the steps and he's just enjoying the bite. He's, he takes another bite and, uh, and it's, it's also just so strange how he like waits till he gets all the way to the bottom of the stairs before he even says a word to them. I mean, the big question here is this this scene of a vampire descending stairs, is it more or less iconic than the one done by Bela Lugosi back in the 40s or 30s or wherever it was? <laughs> I think it's less iconic because it is it is, you know, subtly evil, whereas I don't know. I don't know. You can't really dethrone Bella in that category. So. <laughs> <laughs> what would have been really funny is. With them being in the suburbs, if there was like a group of kids down the road that were practicing for their, you know, little rock band thing. And Mm. yeah, Chris Sarandon was like, ah, the children of the night. What beautiful music they make. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yeah. All sorts of throwbacks. (laughs) The fact fact that he makes such a grand entrance, though, is such a. It's such a giveaway to these people, too. Yeah. Like, particularly with Billy Cole, they have this real reverence of like, oh, Jerry's coming. Jerry's yeah. coming down mm-hmm. the stairs. And I think if I, someone came around to my house looking for the other guy who lived here, I'd just be like, oh, oh, oh you're here for him. Jerry! Get <laughs> 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 
<laughs> but no, like, oh, oh, no, oh, oh, he heard us. You know, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. no, there's reverence for him. The master will be, I mean, uh, Jerry will be joining us in a second. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, Jerry's doing a bit of theater here as if uh, his descent is the time he needs to kind of prepare the mask of the friendly neighbor and the, the, the look of the, the sweater over the white turtleneck as if he's like ready to go skiing later. Uh, <laughs> this is very this preppy. Is a fashion choice this guy is making. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was puzzled. I was like, is that a jumper atop a jumper? Hmm. Why does he need so much? I mean, I guess he's, he's dead. Maybe he's cold. I don't know what's yeah. going on. Yeah. It was just like, oh, the 80s was just an, an era of layering. Just like, oh, you put on Bruce Springsteen. Go out, put on a denim jacket, puts a leather jacket on top of it. Because that's just what you did back then. <laughs> that's how you do. Yeah. Now, watching Chris Sarandon in these scenes, the main thing that stands out to me is if you were going to do another remake on top of the ones that have already been made, I feel like you could take Mark Ruffalo and drop him in here oh. and he would look close enough to Chris Sarandon that it would work. Yeah, oh, yeah, I like yeah. that. I like that. Um, yeah, Ruffalo does a great uh, some some great stuff as you know Bruce Banner, where he's like clasping his hands and he has he's got to grits his teeth every once in a while, like the anger is going to come out any second now, you know. So I think he really could do a, a great job as uh, a Jerry Dandridge for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. It's definitely was studying uh, Peter and his uh, role as a vampire killer earlier in this week, but now I'm studying just the mask that Jerry's wearing here and how well he does with everybody. Um, it does feel a little shaky as he's like patronizing Peter. It's just he does the handshake, the full eye contact, but then he does this. I've seen all your movies and I found them. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> Very amusing. <laughs> mm. All right. Well, how else would you address a famous person whose films you may not necessarily like? Like, uh, for instance, if you run into um, uh, Niall, name someone who's famous that was in a movie that was frankly terrible. I can't think of one off the top of my head. I'm thinking, I don't know if it's a land of the Americans, but uh, Danny Dyer over here is like one of the most <laughs> repulsive actors. Yeah. He's like a really odd Cockney gangster type and everything he's in is terrible. <laughs> yeah, like imagine someone brings him over to your house and you want to be polite. Mm-hmm. You want to be cordial and welcoming in your home and you're like, oh, hello, that guy you just mentioned. I've seen your films and you want to say, frankly, they were terrible and you were terrible in them, but you have to be nice and you have to say, I found them very amusing. <laughs> I, I do think, though, that Jerry's a bit more like... Because um, the fact he says, I've seen all your films. Like, I'm not just caught yeah. one or two. It's like, I've seen them all. I just kind of feel like he's not, not that he's fanboying in any way, but he is just more like, oh, I've, I found your your stuff hilarious. So I yeah. actively <laughs> have sought it out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's what, that's a question I wanted to ask here. It's like, do you think Jerry's actually watched all of Peter's films? Do, it, you know, does a vampire, like, seek out vampire films <laughs> to, to kind of, like, study how they're being perceived in popular culture, perhaps? Like, I have a friend named Steph who's a, who's a respiratory therapist. She just cannot watch any sort of medical shows, no medical films, because she's just constantly looking at it going, nope, they do not get – that's that's wrong. That person <laughs> would be dead. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I wonder if a vampire is kind of the same thing. I mean, if you are part of a social group, I think it's a bit 
you know, morbid maybe, but you're constantly curious as to how you're going to be portrayed on film. Like sometimes you're part of a demographic where you just know it's going to be terrible and you go out and you're like, oh yeah, that was, that was pretty bad. But sometimes your demographic isn't always portrayed. And so when you see it on screen, you're like, oh, well, that's interesting that they went with those tropes. Yeah. <laughs> I think nowadays though, like if it was a modern day Fright Night, Jerry would be on like internet, like kind of lobbying for like better vampire representation in films. Like, you're playing into all these stereotypes. Oh man, vampire gate. Like, I go to Hollywood and I can't get hired as a vampire and they give it to some non-vampire. It's like, let me tell you, I love fruit. This whole thing that we can't eat normal food is bull plop. <laughs> yeah. I want to see friggin' Lestat back <laughs> chopping down on a nice piece of kiwi or something. You know? <laughs> I'll tell you the wrong thing about the people making vampires films these days are the SJWs. You know, I like teenage <laughs> female <laughs> victims. I do not, you know, there's no equal opportunity. <laughs> and that's not sexist. It's just the way it is. <laughs> uh, I think Billy Cole's like this old right guy who works for, for him now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the boss is right. The boss is right. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah. So Jerry then moves from Peter and says, "Who are these two attractive young people?" And uh, you know, like uh, Peter introduces Ed. Ed, wait, like I loved Ed. Is just like, hey, <laughs> and and Jerry hardly looks at him and just says, "Ed." And uh, <laughs> and I got to mention also, I, I heard in the commentary that Stephen Jeffries, the guy who plays Ed, this is his favorite scene of the movie. So. Um, I have to say, like this is this is my favorite scene yeah. of the movie too. Actually, <laughs> I just I think uh, I think the fun of it is probably being in the background of it and getting to watch you know Roddy McDowell and Chris Sarandon you know talking it out you know and uh, you know not being a huge part of it but being but being there to watch it you know being filmed uh-huh. I don't know maybe I, mean, I think you probably had the added benefit too of like mm-hmm. this really handsome guy just called me very attractive as well like, <laughs> hey. that's gonna be an ego boost for you hey. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Peter introduces Amy, and I love, I love the score in this movie. It f- starts, it fires mm. up there, you know. Uh, I think that's this is my favorite example of the score in the movie because oh, really? it's like, yeah, because I know some of the other ones like it's always great the the Raphael music, yeah. But you know, there's other times where it goes into almost kind of sleazy, borderline porno music. It's like <laughs> the raging guitars and stuff. You don't like how he pops the score into the boombox before he seduces Amy later. <laughs> No, you got a copy of that. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, there's something about I think maybe it's um, because uh, you'll see later in the movie, Amy reminds him much, you know, like Dracula with Mia and stuff like of of a long lost love. So he's um, Mm -hmm. the the, we saw the painting already earlier. Yeah. Yeah. But it's something much more somber about it. It's a real melancholy to like the the that repeated piano riff. Yeah. And I think it's just the sustained note at the end too. It's just really there's something about it. Like I really, really love that. It's like, oh I've been searching the soundtrack album. Like, Can you just get that little incidental one time they played it that way? Yeah. But you have to sit through like like the entire hour's worth of music just to see if they put in ten seconds <laughs> in any of the track somewhere. <laughs> 
Yeah, and and it is a moment, and I really appreciate Chris Sarandon's acting in this because he is carrying, you know, he had to write a biography for Jerry before actually filming this, you know, as preparing for the role, what he thinks is uh, the years, and I think it was also one of his ideas for Amy to be somebody that he recognizes uh, from before, uh, just to kind of beef up that the story of Jerry and I, I, he acts the hell out of it. Just uh, he looks at her and you can see in his face, he's, he's cold, but he's also kind of emotional that he's like, he's found, he's found the girl that, you know, got away or whatever, who knows what the history was, but it was, it was, it was awesome enough to uh, have, have a painting of the girl made and carry it around with him. Mm. (laughs) And even, you know, even uh, I'm sorry. Even even Billy in the back. If you if you see Billy um, standing in the back, he's even got this face. This like solemn face. Like this is serious. Like wow, that's crazy. Mm. You know what were you saying? I was just gonna ask. Like, do you think uh, now that he's met Amy, this would have changed Jerry's plans? Of like, if he was just having to like, oh yeah, this Charlie kid next door, like he's just gonna be a pain in the ass. But like eventually. It, he won't be a problem because who's going to believe him and stuff. Mm-hmm. But now that he's met Amy, he's just like, oh, this is I have to have this woman. So is he instantly in his head going, well, I'm going to have to kill these people and take her <laughs> for my bride and stuff. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, his 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 idea here uh, for this for this movie was to probably take down each of these people one by one, which, he's, you know, starts to do. Um, but. I, I don't know. I think maybe his plans for taking them down one by one, it, you know, kind of change when he meets them. He sees he's, you know, he doesn't really notice Ed here, but, you know, the, there's a great conversation with him later. Uh, but I think his, you know, seeing Amy and how much she looks like the girl in his painting, this maybe this long lost love, um, you know, maybe he would have just like snapped her neck, drank her blood, dr- dropped her in the back of the Jeep to be taken away before. And now he's like, hmm, I think I'll make her mine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'd say quite merciful in these minutes too that uh, that Ed is quiet the entire time. Oh, absolutely. Well, hey, Jerry. Yeah, where do you guys stand on Ed? <laughs> like, because he is the one thing I'm just like I could. I know he's supposed to be annoying, but like he's doing it too well. Oh, I am one of those people that got to the end of this movie and was disappointed by the one major detail that involves that character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, at the very, I was very actively end? annoyed yeah. by it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th- I, think I think the worst part of him is like, it's the laugh and the fact that he points when he laughs at people. <laughs> it's just like that is the, 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 the most like. Not only is he just an, an, oh, you an obnoxious <laughs> prick, but the fact that he's, he's exacerbating it so much more by his... <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I hate this guy so much. He was, uh, you know, according to the novelization, which I think was based on an earlier draft, he's Ed's supposed to be like a re- really jealous friend who just like hates Charlie and Amy's relationship. He's really angry at Charlie for abandoning him for this new girl. Uh, that's that was all cut out. So I think we're left with just him being this uh, kind of, you know, more more of a fun character than he was before. I think if you got the earlier version, you really hate him even more because he's not only like jeering at everything, but he's got some real contempt to it. Yeah. Um, everything I, about Ed is just too over the top for me. Uh-huh. Like other people might like that. Just me personally, there's too much of him there. He's got this energy that I could never match. And that frustrates me. Huh. Not that I'm like jealous of his energy. It's just, I don't want him to be around me. at all. <laughs> Oh, man. 
Listen, Ed, you seem like a perfectly nice guy, but stay the hell away from me. <laughs> yeah. I, I personally love Ed. I, you know, the, one of the iconic lines from this movie is you're so cool, Brewster. I love how much he jeers, you know, straight lace Charlie all the time. And, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, there's there's a bit of pain that gets uh, uh, surfaced uh, through his uh, scene with Jerry and uh, what what happens afterwards uh, later in the alleyway, which so, I mean, so it kind of flushes him out a little bit more. I'll give him like he's achieved the fact that like he's very memorable in the movie at least yeah. anyway like afterwards like you can watch this movie once and a couple of years later someone mentions Fright Night Day you'll probably remember oh Evil Ed yeah I remember yeah. that guy yeah because he, he, he sticks it but at the same time he's like he's got you know, a, a laugh that's the second most annoying sound to come out of the 80s after the Skeksis. Oh, from, uh, Dark, God. Dark Crystal. So you're saying you prefer uh, McLovin as Evil Ed than uh, <laughs> Stephen Jeffries? Oh, so I kind of quite even remember him in that movie. But who would play Evil Ed in, the, in our remake? Oh, so you man. have... So you have Elvira, Jerry, and George. Who could be Evil Ed in that in that scenario? <laughs> oh man! So now I'm thinking of like Seinfeld people, but I really shouldn't. Uh, oh, you, um, Newman was there. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like what <laughs> are some young actors. Like, oh, let me introduce uh, you know Ed and just like and just Jerry's like Newman and just like oh, hello Jerry. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, I don't know. I can't think of it. My mind is blank oh. right now. He wouldn't be a pr- age appropriate, but sometimes I listen to Seth Rogen's laugh, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> he is. Oh. "You're so cool, Brewster." I've never heard his laugh to do that until like this last year. He guessed it on how did this get made, and I was like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> 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 yeah. Are they trying to turn over an engine? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, yeah, Jerry takes Amy's hand and kisses it and lock, locks eyes with her. And I just love how she looks at him like he's a freaking rock star. You know, he, she's like, you know, uh, well, she's a teenage girl, so I don't want to get too gross about it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, <laughs> she's really into him. And, and there's Charlie behind her trying – like ready to spring anytime it looks a little <laughs> weird. It's like really nervous. Yeah. I, I have to say I can't blame her too because Chris Sarandon, he's a pretty good-looking guy. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. And William Ragsdale, he is just like – he is milk toast defined. <laughs> like he's the most bland-looking person. Well, I guess what they're, they're, he's just supposed to be your average Joe. So Yeah. So, that, you know, so he's up against uh, tough competition here and this incredibly charming – you know, a, a guy is so charming, you don't even mind that he's wearing two jumpers. Like, it doesn't even face. <laughs> Listen, he's going skiing later. <laughs> the, doing some night skiing. I mean, it is Maybe. the 1980s. That's how they settle things. They have a little skiing competition. <laughs> oh, yes, that's true. Oh, man. Oh, God. We'd have, those stairs are there for. <laughs> yes. <laughs> some planks down those. <laughs> oh, it would have been something if they had gotten Carrie Elwes to play uh, the Charlie character. Mm. Oh, oh, that was something. Yeah, I mean, Hold. I don't think it would have fit, uh-huh. but it would have been something. Wallace Shawn as Evil Ed. <laughs> <laughs> so there's still a wound that dwells within me. Where uh, a friend of mine years ago 
was talking about like, oh, you're trying to go out and you're like forlorn about like, oh, I can't get dates and stuff like that. And I was just like, oh, you know, it's just, I'm not a particularly good looking guy and stuff. And she was like, oh, don't worry. You got face. You got a face full of character like Wallace Shawn. And I was like, oh, what? Thanks. I was like, Gosh. I was like, like 19 at the time, too. I was like, you know, like, oh, 19 to uh, looks like Wallace Shawn. Gosh. That's like being told you're lovable like Danny DeVito. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like everybody loves Danny DeVito, but no one wants to wake up in the middle of the night and see Danny DeVito <laughs> looking him square in the face. <laughs> yeah, definitely, uh, definitely not like uh, the penguin. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, Niall, do you want to uh, let people know where they can find you? Yeah, if you want to hear me and actually Rick, because you guessed it uh, this past season, mm-hmm. um, talk uh, quite a bit about uh, Danny DeVito's rendition of the Penguin, uh, you can get that on Bat Minutes, uh, where we talk about the Batman movies one minute at a time. Uh, we're just available through all major podcatchers and iTunes and all your various social medias and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, the same way we're gearing up for Batman Forever later in the year. So both you guys, with Rick, you're welcome back. I, to, I know you called minutes already as well. Oh, so. absolutely. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, Robin, you're more than welcome to, to hop in anytime. If not you. for forever, then definitely for Batman and Robin. Just oh so yeah, well yeah, know. it's branding, you know. Uh, <laughs> Rick, if anybody is interested in hearing more of my voice, just punch Mad Max Minute into any search engine, any social media, and you will be able to find my stuff. We go through the Mad Max series of movies one minute at a time. We've done pretty much all of them at this point. I think we're just putting the finishing touches on Fury Road here at the end of 2019. So they need to release another movie so you can keep the podcast going. Uh, that's one thing they could do. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've said before, if there is a fifth Mad Max movie, there will be a fifth season of the Mad Max Minute. Okay. Boy, yeah, there's no way to, to, I mean, you can do the Babe series maybe or uh, Ashy <laughs> Feet. <laughs> Say, we'll save those for hiatus episodes. <laughs> it might be a long one. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I think it's time to put a stake in this minute. Uh, please follow us at uh, Fright Night Men on the old Twitter. Send your feedback to Fright Night Minute at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, I'm Robin. Uh, I'm Niall. I'm Rick. Thanks for listening. Niall, it's yours today. That's <laughs> me today. I actually should say, uh, I forgot to mention that in Liverpool, uh, there's actually a major cultural event every year called Light Night. Ooh. And you better believe every time that's on, I will say to someone, welcome to Light Night. <laughs> for real. <laughs> and not one person has got the reference yet. <laughs> <laughs> the, yes, have a good night tonight. <laughs> Perfect. He's a vampire. A what? <laughs> You're so cool, Brewster.